This is Poetry Says. I'm here today with Louise Carter, who is a Sydney-based poet. Louise has had work published in Best Australian Poetry 2012 and 2015, along with publications such as Mianjin, Westerly and Seizure. And I'm really excited to talk to her today. Hi, Louise. Hi, Alice. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, So I came across your work, I think, through the um, website called Cordite and then from there I ended up on your blog and I very quickly became obsessed with this Louise (laughs) Carter person (laughs) just because your poems are so honest and really conversational um, (laughs) but they're also incredibly precise and just so relevant I felt almost as if you were writing my exact life at times. It was quite oh, quite oh. uncanny. And then the other thing that I loved about your blog, which is um, alonewithbeauty.com, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not only are you really honest in your poems, but you're very, very honest about the process that you're going through at the moment, which is writing your doctorate about the Australian yeah. poet Luke Davies. Yeah. Um, so where are you at with that process now? Uh, as, as far as the doctorate's concerned, I'm I'm doing it part time, so I'm into my third year of it. Um, <laughs> it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but the the best thing I've ever done as well. Um, I had lunch with a friend of mine today who I met through the program, and it's the people that you meet uh, while you're doing it, like-minded people who are really, really passionate and willing to do something really different with their lives rather than just getting a job and you know what I mean like yeah it's a huge going against the grain thing to do isn't it um huge <laughs> yeah yeah you know spending hours alone in libraries and yeah. writing drafts and things like that um and I love that there's a post on your blog that I'll link to where you you talk I think it's called the doctorate year two and you sort of talk about maybe moments of thinking oh I'm actually going to keep doing this yeah um which i really enjoyed because very few people talk that way about about their phds most people are like when you ask them which is always kind of a rude question in the first place but when you ask them (laughs) yeah yeah they've got the pat answer that it's sort of like yeah it's going really well yeah um so i just appreciated your honesty with how hard it truly is oh cheers um it's it's weird actually uh people get intimidated when you say you're doing a doctorate uh but that's it's almost the easy part the hard part is making it work with your life you know you still got to eat and live in a house um and the hard part for me really has been kind of having faith in myself that I could do it at all uh you know, your self-doubt is what gets in the way so it's it's a constant battle against yourself <laughs> And you're always trying to self-sabotage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's something that yeah. happens as any kind of writer or creator, I suppose, is you yeah. get up and you think, oh, can I do this today? I'm not sure. Yeah, and it's, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm doing a creative. It's called a Doctor of Creative Arts. So 60% of it is creative. And I walked in there saying to my supervisor, look, I, I don't really think I'm a poet. You know, you can chuck me out now. It might save us a lot of trouble. <laughs> and she sort of leapt out of her chair and threw down her papers and, and said, no, you're a poet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she but, yeah, did. Having, having someone say that 
it's kind of what I needed because, yeah. Yeah, you it didn't... seems a bit silly to say I'm a poet. <laughs> it's good to have somebody else say it first. I think. I think that's a good. Yes. That's a good rule of thumb. But yeah, and the poets that um, you've brought to us today to talk about are Carol Ann Duffy, the UK-born yep. poet laureate, and Luke Davies, who is Australian and who you actually met last year. Yeah. Um, and that was a surreal and lovely experience in that, itself. That must have been amazing. Um, yeah. And as I was saying to you before we started, I'm no expert on either of these poets, but, um, yeah, we're breaking the rules. We're not focusing on just one poem. We're going to talk about about both these guys. So mm. why don't we start with Carol Ann Duffy? Yep. So what I know about her just from some very um, – some very light reading is that she's now the UK Poet Laureate. Um, yep. She was born in Scotland and she was considered for the, the um, Poet Laureate role in 1999, but Tony Blair was a bit worried that Middle England would be scandalised by a female and lesbian <laughs> poet. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, this is according to Poetry Foundation's website and so they gave it to this guy, Andrew Motion, um, but the controversy oh, he... was such that basically I, I just feel sorry for Andrew because everyone mm. was just much more interested in Carol Ann Duffy from that point on. Right, okay. <laughs> it's um, interesting yeah. um, because, I mean, I found out after I read the book that I'm going to talk about, it's called Rapture, and I found out much later that she was a lesbian. It It doesn't, you know, it's not immediately apparent I don't see why it's actually even relevant, you know. It probably isn't. And um, that could be why I think a lot of the um, the writing about her doesn't it doesn't really mention it. Um, mm. But yeah, I was I'm glad you're going to talk about Rapture. So that's it. That's her latest book, is it from 2005? Uh, I'm not sure if it's her latest. It's it's. Um, the one that I'm most familiar with. Yeah, and she wrote it. Um, I read that she wrote it after she broke up with her partner Jackie Kay. Mm. Um, yeah. So, when did you first encounter this one? I I was thinking back on it, and it's a pretty silly story. At the time, I was I was getting paid to write ebooks because uh, I was a broke writer trying to make some cash and. I was doing this project where I had to take poetry for dummies and rewrite it so that we didn't get sued to make it into an ebook. <laughs> wow, that's such an amazing project. Oh my god. <laughs> I actually learned a lot about poetry through doing that because at the time I was still a prose writer really and struggling with that. Um so in the process of rewriting poetry for dummies I actually did learn a lot. And I was introduced to Carol Ann Duffy through that experience. And I, it was one of those things where, you know, like when you can hear a song, like a snippet of a song and you just have to go by the record immediately. It was yeah. like that. I ordered the book and it remains one of my favourite books ever. It's incredible. Oh, that's that's amazing. What a great way to come to Carol Ann Duffy. That's fantastic. <laughs> and sometimes it is those because we're both fellow um, copywriters, perhaps yeah. not, not the happiest of copywriters, but we both do it 
And uh, yeah, sometimes you do learn things from these jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a particular poem or uh, set of poems that you wanted to talk about? Uh, perhaps if we're going to do any reading later, there's one called River, which I think is probably um, representative of the, the tone and the beauty of it. Um, it's Yeah, it's about a relationship and it starts out passionately in love and then they're having fights and then there is distance between them and it ends. So uh, you have the full spectrum of emotion in there. Like it's the threshold of, of that experience. It's It's so intense and there's so much room for it to be kind of corny or over the top but she doesn't she manages to just keep it at the right level yeah uh, yeah I noticed that reading a little bit of her work um and there is a quote from her that she says I like to use simple words but in a complicated way kind of against the whole um poetry that uses very uh dense I suppose vocabulary um yep and she doesn't seem to shy away from subjects that could be a bit prosaic I think the first poem she wrote after she became poet laureate was called Achilles about David Beckham tearing his Achilles heel (laughs) which is pretty cool right yeah and apparently the poet laureate has to write a poem if a a royal birth occurs uh, which seems like a kind of a hard job but then again having been a copywriter (laughs) It's basically poetry as copywriting, isn't it? My God. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there must be a poem floating around out there about George. or Yeah, there must be by now. She must have written it by now. Yeah, I've been meaning to to check it out, but I haven't quite Googled it yet. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, why don't I ask you to read um, as much as you want to of uh, the poem you mentioned and we'll go from there. Uh, sure, it's a little bit of a long one, but it's it's wonderful. So this one's called River. Down by the river, under the trees, love waits for me to walk from the journey and years of my time and arrive. I part the leaves and they toss me a blessing of rain. The river stirs and turns, consoling itself and fondling itself with watery hands, its clear limbs parting and closing. Grey is a secret, the heron bows its head on the bank. I drop my past on the grass and open my arms, which ache as though they held up this heavy sky or had pressed against window glass all night as my eyes sift the stars, open my mouth, wordless at last, meeting love at last, drive from travelling so long, shy of a prayer. You step from the shade and I feel love come into my arms and cover my mouth. Feel my soul sweep and ease itself into my skin like a bird threading a river. Then I can look love full in the face, see who you are. I have come this far to find the love of my life. Hey. <laughs> That's amazing. I think I did yeah. read that when I was researching for this, but, yeah, it's very – I don't really know how to describe it. There's There's something about the – the, the combinations of words it's not just the words themselves it's it was there's a line there the thread of river or something like that yeah like a bird threading the river yeah it's um, incredible it was me yeah uh, 
I, I realised when you asked me to talk about some work that I admired that both of these uh, poets are quite formal in their approach, which I found surprising. Um, but I think that there is something in the formal structure of, of metered poetry that, that has this profound effect, uh, on me at least. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that um, at the end, but I might just ask it now. So your mm-hmm. poetry, when I read it, it feels really as if it's come out in a stream almost like it's but not to say it doesn't have precision but it feels very fresh I guess I'm trying not to use that word but as if it's just kind of happened once you've written it down and Mm. and there it is um but you can also tell that there's a lot of work gone into them but where's that balance for you in terms of formality and I guess um the conversational tone Mm, it's it's really it's a really hard balance to strike. Um, I, I'm essentially self-taught in terms of poetry. I just kind of started writing a lot of it and and being extremely bad at it for many many years. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that I persevered with it because you get an intuitive sense of what just simply sounds good. Because I have a background in in music as well, so. Yeah, if it sounds discordant to me, then it it gets the chop. Um, it, it's kind of this process of of ha- literally having a stream of consciousness and then coming back to it and cleaning it up, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does actually, and I think I think I'm probably with you in the the school of people who use their background in music to guide mm. them. Um, I don't have any formal training either, but I guess it's like any kind of writing. The more you do it and the more you read, the more you mm. come to understand what, what feels right, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, there's there's something in the, the poetic tone, I suppose, that you can tell when you're hitting it, but you, you can't always tell why or how, but <laughs> trial and error, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so with Carol Ann Duffy, is there something in reading her work that you felt um, had a particular influence or changed your work or perhaps gave you permission to do something that you didn't realise was possible before? It, that book arrived in my life uh, before I was I could even consider calling myself a poet. And it's the first time I I didn't feel intimidated by a book of poetry. Uh, I guess it's what you said earlier about simple words. They're very logical and very clear, but they're saying things that are are very complicated and profound. Um, It was just a way in for me, and I keep coming back to it and, and continue to be impressed by it, even now that I know a lot about form and meter and all that now but yeah that's that's such a perfect way to put it you've just articulated something for me that um I've thought for such a long time for me that book that showed me poetry didn't have to be intimidating was um by the Australian poet David Brooks it's called The Balcony right um and yeah just that exact same feeling of oh this I can do this. I I could do this. I mean, not that I can write like David Brooks, for God's sake. But um, <laughs> it's it, 
<laughs> just that accessibility, just the fact that, uh, yeah. Yeah, and look, kind accessibility of is a bit of a dirty word, but uh, all I mean by that is that, mm, I mean, there's that conversation about willful obscurity <laughs> and uh, I, I do have time for conceptual poetry. However, the, the stuff that moves me and the stuff that makes me want to write my own poetry always kind of has, and I think narrative, I think that's hugely part of it, that narrative thread. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have time for conceptual poetry too. I should make that super clear. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there are these poets like Caroline Duffy, like David Brooks, that it's it's just a way in, I suppose, when you are somebody who hasn't had that formal training perhaps. Um sure. Yeah. And so then on to Luke Davies, who yep. is quite quite different from Carol Ann Duffy. Um, yep. So Luke Davies has written poetry as well as novels and screenplays. Um, and so when was it – do you remember your first encounter with his work? I mean, I think like everyone, I read Candy. I must have read it when I was still in high school. Uh, before I had any appreciation of what mastery was. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, that's a good book. <laughs> what next? Um, <laughs> um, where did that begin? I, I suppose I, I picked up Interference Psalms after reading about he won the Prime Minister's uh, Literary Award that year for poetry, and I saw an article in the newspaper about it that just describes the work and it describes it as this uh, shadow companion to Totem, which is his giant love poem. And because I'm a little bit, you know, goth and emo, the concept of having a book about <laughs> despair and mortality and suffering just seemed so enticing to me. <laughs> so I raced off and bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and found myself reading this while driving, while at work. I couldn't put it down. It had this quality to it that I just had to keep reading it. It just propelled me forward. Um, yeah. Hmm. I I had a, a similar experience, I suppose. Um, it reminded me at times almost of um, Wallace Stevens. Just mm. so... I don't know, it's it's like a tapestry, the way that he uses his, his language. Mm. So um, is there, so the Interfere on Psalms is the, that's the book that you're writing your doctorate on or is it just his work in general? Yeah, it's, my focus at the moment is is on Interfere on Psalms. Uh, I think it's, it's probably, well, I'm most interested in it because his work... All of his books kind of um, speak to each other. There are parts from his previous books in his current books. So to read his most recent book is kind of to be up to date with everything he's done in a way. And he's he's done an incredible job of, mm, I mean, there's still a lot of formal technique in there, but it's this kind of this unravelling of, of thoughts and ideas and feelings that that comes through it that um, is at times heartbreaking and is at times weirdly uplifting 
Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to read us a little bit of one of the poems? Uh, sure. I'll see if I can. I should have bookmarked it, shouldn't I? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, hold on. Oh, oh, there's so many good bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I have to admit I, I tried to sort of write down a section, a particular section that I wanted to talk about, but I just sort of thought, no, it's all it's all one thing you can't you can't cut it yeah yeah that's why I was like can I talk about an entire book um (laughs) it's on page 93 uh and like all of them it's it's untitled so counting bone and clavicle for shape and cadence the meters were on fire bowed head pursed lips you counted syllables with fingers and then for shape and cadence Counted my ribs, another path to contact as I lay breathing. Asleep you whispered skeletons of phrases, the cadence of their bones. Great lilt from which great fall made all of life begin. While all around the meters were on fire, constant state, philosophy of the world and time careening. Yeah. Mm. It's so much happening that can't happen and Mm. yet I don't know that that's kind of why I got that sense of Stevens is because it's sort of like the words just line up to make these impossibilities yeah it's almost like a a Escher kind of drawing yeah Yeah. that's exactly right and there's there's these Mm. things that are so certain yet they're completely Mm. um wobbly and uncertain at the same time yeah I mean having looked into his work uh, I can tell you that he has a way of building a world which is it's it's kind of a dream world in that it's not quite reality and then he has a way of just kind of like pulling that out from under view like the line and time careening it's just sort of the unraveling of the universe you know it's so intense mm. <laughs> yeah yeah and there seems to be in, in what I have read which is admittedly not that much but um there seems to be generally this interplay between two characters. There's a mm. there's a speaker and there's a you. Mm. Um, does it ever get more concrete than that, or does it mainly stay in that that sort of set? Uh, his his prose is more concrete, obviously, uh, but the poetry, yeah, Particularly in Interference Psalms, the, the other people in it are fragmentary, like they are kind of sketches of people, ideas of people, whereas in, in Totem it's a bit more fleshed out. Um, but, yeah, Interference Psalms has the effect, I suppose, of of just the mind, um, the mind grappling with the concepts and images and, yeah. <laughs> mm. And so then you had the opportunity to meet Luke. Mm. To me, that sounds, you know, writing about someone and then having the opportunity to meet them. I'm not sure that I would do that. I think I'd be too scared. What was, what was it like? Um, it was this beautiful coincidence because I, I went to Berkeley to attend a poetry conference and my supervisor said, oh, you should really try to meet up with, with Luke while you're in California. And I kind of put her off. <laughs> uh, I was scared 
that I don't know, you know, it's it's terrifying. Uh, but then I read this article about the guy who does the artwork for the Radiohead albums, um, and he was doing the the new editions of JG Ballad novels, and he had the opportunity to meet JG Ballad, and he turned it down because he thought, oh, he wouldn't want to meet me. I'm just this dumb guy, like, and he's a great master. And then JG Ballad died, and he said, oh, that's one of the things I regret most in life. And I read this article like the week before I went out and I was like oh (laughs) I should meet him (laughs) yeah then he was completely lovely and it was a yeah tremendous experience did you learn um things through that meeting about his work and his process so much yep it was a great great hint it's like if you can liken doing a PhD to playing a computer game it's like getting the hint book. <laughs> yeah, you've got all the cheat codes. That's Pretty awesome. Much. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was sort of looking at, uh, in terms of the research, I was looking at different things. But staring me in the face really is, is Luke's obsession with the idea of God, essentially. So I'm now looking at um, the experience of reverence within his work, um, which is odd in a kind of a, a non-religious time. But, yeah. Wow, that's really fascinating. Is there is there a way to sum up um, what <laughs> his work does? I, I wrote a paper last week and I called it uh, Irreverent Reverence. Oh, that that does sum it up well. Up. Yeah, so I was happy with that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I really wanted to talk about your work as well um, just because right. <laughs> I, just, I just love it so much. I just I can't state that enough it's it's feels so relevant to me um the poem oh thank you I mean that's why I write so that's a tremendous compliment cheers no problem um (laughs) so I think it it must have been your poem Marrickville which has come (laughs) out in um in Cordite's uh the no theme issue um, I should say that I'm currently sitting here in my share house in Marrickville. If you yeah. hear a scratch sound, that's my cat trying to get in. <laughs> oh, you should let her in. It's okay. <laughs> She's a <pain> <laughs> um, Yeah, just reading this, I thought this is this is amazing on so many levels. On on one level, because the things that you've put into this poem are things that I would have would be um, would have thought couldn't go in a poem, couldn't possibly work, and yet somehow they, they absolutely do. Um, and I think you, you wrote on your blog that this poem manages to offend just about everyone, but I didn't feel offended at all. I just felt, I just felt, it's just, this is reality. How can well, I possibly be offended? My housemate read it, uh, and I was very concerned that I was going to get evicted. <laughs> How did she take it? Very well, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I wrote that as a giant rant uh, one night because my housemates were driving me absolutely insane. As they do. <laughs> we, at the time we were living with this, oh, dear, we were living with this uh, lesbian couple and they were lovely but they took over our house and it made everything awkward and strange it uh, tends to be a pretty standard pattern in share houses i think <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> they made a lot of jam. <laughs> oh, jam. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I found it. I've I've made one change to it since it was in Cordite. Um anyway, it's the number of weeks since the bathroom was cleaned. Ah, okay. Increased it. <laughs> Good. So you ready? Yep. Okay, Marrickville. It's been five weeks since I cleaned the bathroom and it hasn't been cleaned since. But that's what you get in the share house. A glorified squad for people who don't want to pay full rent but dress it up as community-minded, a place where conversations about the fairest division of the gas bill take place over the compost bin. You could say, hopeful of heart, that it's a family, which it is, dysfunctional, the air seething with PMT, all of us rolling out yoga mats to the sound of the kettle boiling, the fridge stocked with kale and coconut water but never meat. We're a generation of ideological orphans building Zion in Marrickville, our dyed hair a symbol of our kinship, while the original residents, the old-school Greek immigrants, gaze bewildered from their porches as hordes of a strong parson of a morning, farting smugness. I'm so far from home, from the buzz-cut lawns and yipping dogs, from kitchens with microwaves and African violets softly dying beside disinfected sinks. These days I take comfort in YouTube and weed on nights where the urge to give up on this poetry caper becomes overwhelming. The fear that there's nothing you can do to avoid becoming your mother, so you might as well swallow your insolence, move back to the suburbs and give birth in front of the TV. These days I force my focus onto whatever the present moment happens to reveal. Organic toothpaste, soup bowls caked with chia seeds, my own face glimpsed in the mirror like seeing a celebrity in a cafe the intimate recognition of a stranger in this, the mediocre immediate. Just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And very, very gutsy, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not not that there's anything in there that I think anyone could be truly offended by, but <laughs> the fact, yeah, just the honesty there is, is it's just fantastic. I'm a big fan of comedy and uh, John Safran in particular. I really love what he does. And uh, people say the same thing about his work. They say, oh, you're so brave. And he said, no, I just don't think it through. (laughs) (laughs) I just get out there and then I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) It's happened. It's basically my approach as well. I think there's so much crossover between um, comedians and poets. I should try and work that in, try and ask everybody who their favourite comedian is. I think there is too. I mean, my interview with, with Luke Davies, I called it Poets on Porches Drinking Tea because I'm a fan of comedians in cars getting coffee. Ah, very nice, very <laughs> nice. I, I wanted and to ask, I, oh, sorry. Oh, it's this thing that needs to be more comedy and poetry, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we could do with a, a bit more levity sometimes. That might that yes. might help. Um, I wanted to ask you about a line in this. So um, there's there's the line, the urge to give up on this poetry caper becomes overwhelming. I think that's something that anyone who creates anything, anyone who works, anyone who has to do the same thing day after day yep. um, comes up against. When that sense to give up on on this poetry caper becomes overwhelming. Mm. Um, is it a matter of waiting it out? Is it a matter of 
just getting back to the yep. blank page? Uh, for me, it's just the, the gut instinct. And even though the, the process of, of following this, this poetry caper has resulted in poverty and humiliation, <laughs> um, <laughs> my gut tells me that it's the right thing to do. And uh, I keep finding there's this, these signs along the way that I'm on the right path that help to back up that, that sense of rightness. And that's just, that's just what I've got. It's, it, it's a blind journey and I'm not quite sure where it's headed, to be honest. But I know that I'm, I'm so much happier than when I was part of the rat race, essentially. Mm. Yeah, much more interesting not to know where you're going, I suppose. Yeah, it's thrilling. (laughs) It's a thrill. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Louise, for taking the time to chat to me today. It's just been awesome. No worries. Thank you for chatting to me. (laughs) 